Thank you for listening to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams begins a three-week series entitled Marital Arts. Brandon explores the book of Hosea and explains how strongly God believes in the marriage covenant. Throughout the series, we pose the question, are you fighting in your marriage or for your marriage? Well, Hosea is an amazing account. Uh, When we read about Hosea and Gomer, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, to look at this marriage and to look at its uh, strange beginnings, but also um, the way it ends up. Um, when we look at this, we, we see that, that, that Gomer was a prostitute. God says, go get her. Jose, I want you to go get her. Make her your wife. Um, I, I want you to go and, and grab her because she is, she's been an adulteress. She's been unfaithful. She's prostituted herself just like the children of Israel. And I want you to go and I want you to grab her and I want you to bring her to yourself. And, and I want this to be evidence of the love that I have for my people. And this is the scripture that we're going to take this marriage series from, this, this marital arts uh, series. We're going to do three messages on this and we're going to look at, at, at some, some very important things about marriage. We're going to look at God's design for marriage. We're going to look at what it is to have an unconditional marriage. We're going to look at what it means to, to have a marriage that, that, that practices redemption. And, and I would encourage you in this, if you're married, going to be married, um, or, or even if you think I'll never be married, don't want to be married, this series, there's going to be a lot in there for you. Because here's the deal, guys. We cannot look at marriage and the marriage covenant without looking at the covenant of Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. I want to tell you this, 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 this series, it's going to be serious, right? It's going to be pretty heavy. We're going to tackle some real issues, some real things that, that exist and go on in marriage. And, and here's the thing I want you to understand. Listen, if, if you bring your kids in here, that's fine. Listen, I would recommend they go to Connection Kids. Okay? We've got, we've got age-appropriate material for the best, the best environment for them to come to know Christ and to live for Christ. But in here, we're going to talk about some real things. We're going to talk about what God designed marriage to be. Um, a, a little while ago, I guess it's been, oh gosh, six months or so ago now, I was actually uh, going up um, to northwest Georgia, um, and, and we were, I was riding with my mom and dad going up um, actually to bury my, my grandmother. And uh, we're going up and we're riding along on one of these country roads, and I look over and there's this, this uh, karate um, I guess dojo, is that what you call it? Not a martial arts guy. Um, but, but there's this, this karate place, and I look at the sign, and on the sign, um, I glance over, and I literally saw on the sign, marital arts. I was like, marital arts? Then I glanced back, and it said martial arts. Now, I'm not saying that, like, God changed the letters. I'm, I'm not saying that, right? Uh, but, but what I am saying is that's what I saw. And as soon as I saw it, I began to think about that. What's the difference in martial arts and marital arts? Well, in martial arts, you're fighting, right? You're fighting against somebody. In marital arts, you're fighting for something. It, 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 it's a decision. And I, and I heard um, someone preach a message on this one time. It's a decision that you are either going to fight in your marriage or you're going to fight for your marriage. And that, that's the decision that we all have to make. And you know what was funny is I was thinking about those two words, the difference in those two words. You know the letter that moves when you change from martial arts to marital arts? I. Isn't that pretty crazy? Because the thing I realize is that the issue in most marriages is not the spouse, it's I. And so many times, listen, if everybody took care of I and got I right with God so that I wasn't so important to me, marriages would work. And so we're going to look at three different ways that the I has to move, that, that we have to get ourselves out of the way so that our marriage can be healthy. This is what I want you to understand. God desires you to have a good marriage. But last, last week, I celebrated my uh, 12th wedding anniversary to my awesome wife, Susan. And listen, yeah, y'all, y'all clap every time. That's so kind. Hey, listen, now I know what to say, like, if I want you to applaud, right? So I'll be like, and Jesus said, hey, I've been married for 12 years. Woohoo! And so, but listen, we, we were married. And I want to tell you this. We have our ups. We have our downs. We have our fights. Most of them my fault. But listen, listen, marriage can get better day after day. I can tell you my marriage today is better 
now than it was 12 years ago. I can tell you today that my wife is my best friend. And I want you to know this. God desires that for your marriage. I don't care where you've been, what's going on. Listen, God can change, reconcile, and resurrect any marriage. And that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. I want to tell you real quick three things I want to accomplish in this series, and we're going to jump into this message, and, uh, and we'll get going. But, but the first thing I want to accomplish is I want to give you an accurate, accurate picture of marriage through God's covenant of faithfulness to you, right? I want you to be able to see an accurate picture of marriage by looking at the covenant that God has established with us, okay? The second thing I want you to, to get from this is I want to bring hope of reconciliation, To marriages that are broken and that literally need to be healed. I'm going to bring hope. Listen, this is the good news. It's good news. It includes the good news that God reconciles relationships. Isn't that why he sent Jesus? Was to reconcile us to himself. He is the master of reconciliation. The third thing is I want to give you some practical steps that that if you'll, you'll do these, it'll move every willing marriage closer to the idea and the design of marriage that God has for you. And so we want to accomplish those three things. Today we're going to be reading actually the entire chapter of Hosea 3, which we'll probably be doing every week. Um, Don't worry, it is only five verses. So it's not that long. We're going to read this and then we're going to pray. Um, and, And listen, we're going to have some fun in this. We're going to be serious with this. But ultimately, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would move in our lives, move in our hearts, to move us closer to our spouse, to move us in the right direction toward our future spouse, so that our marriages can be an example to the world of the reconciling and unconditional love of Jesus, right? Y'all ready? Let's read the scripture. Hosea chapter 3. The Lord said to me, go show your love again to your wife, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and, and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and lethek of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will live with you. For the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without a fight or idol. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. God, thank you for the example of Jesus that you've given us of of what this covenant should look like. Thank you, God, that our marriage can mirror your covenant with us. Unconditional, reconciled, whole, God, um, full of joy. Lord, today I pray you'd open our hearts and our minds to what marriage is. Help us to gain a new perspective, Lord. God, help us to, to move um, our, our, our mind, our, our, our cells into a new perspective of what marriage was designed and is intended to be. Lord, do your work here in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, line it up just a little bit real quick. I, I, I was thinking about, you know, what's our perception of marriage? What does it actually look like? And, and I began to think of some things or some, 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 maybe some famous marriages that, that maybe have somewhat shaped our perspective and our perception of what marriage should be. So I thought it might be a little entertaining and, 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 and hold some truth if we would look at some of the marriages that have perhaps shaped our thinking about what marriage should be. So I thought I'd go back all the way to the 50s and pull some out of some TV shows. So check these out. Listen, there's the first one. Anybody recognize this? Anybody recognize it? Let me see some hands. Y'all are old, right? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I recognize it too. It's leave it to Beaver, the Cleavers, man. Come on. Perfect marriage. That's exactly what Susan looks like when I come home every day. Pearls, high heels, skirt, makeup, lipstick. You know, man, clean and dusting. It, it, that's exactly our marriage. You know what I'm saying? It's perfect. That's kind of what they, 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 they led us to believe. How about this one? Anybody remember this one? Yeah. Now that ought to make you feel better about your marriage, right? That's pretty messed up. Talking about dysfunctional, right? How about this one? Yeah. 
Truth be known, that's what most of our marriages look like. Let's be honest. Oh, Archie. Archie and Edith, you know, and uh, Meatball. Wasn't that what he called him or Meathead or something like that? All right, next one. My all-time favorite right there, baby. George Jefferson. Moving on up. Yeah, I, I love the Jefferson so much, I actually named two pet beagles after them. They were named George and Louise. So, so Jeffersons, you know, I, I kind of tend to have the little attitude that George had sometimes. So next one, Dan and Roseanne. Come on. Yeah, dysfunctional with a capital D. Yeah, next one. All-time favorite, maybe more than the Jeffersons, Alan Pegg. Four touchdowns for Polk High. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, dysfunctional, messed up, jacked up, big time. All right, next picture. Last one. I'm going to be honest with you. I've seen like one episode of Family Guy. I, I, I really don't even know what to say about this slide. But I know it's messed up, right? Not exactly how you want your marriage to be. And so, so those are just a few things that I thought, you know, There's a lot of stuff that shapes our understanding of what marriage is or what marriage should be. And isn't it funny how how we seldom see a marriage that functions properly in society, in the world. I mean, like none of these really and truthfully are the ones that you would go, that's exactly how we ought to be. Right? And here's the thing I realized, that for most of us in our relationships and in our marriages, we have allowed the world to shape our perception of what it is rather than God's word. We've allowed the world to dictate what we understand and what we think about marriage and relationships versus allowing God's word to dictate what we believe and what we feel about what marriage should actually be. Today, listen, the perspective we've got to change, the eye we've got to move is how we look at marriage. It's got to be a a change in our thinking. I remember when I was a teenager, um, I was in my early teens and my dad and I got into a, an argument and it, that never went well for me. Um, and, and we got into an argument and I remember, um, I don't even remember what the argument was about, but I remember this like it was yesterday. I just finally said as every, ig- let me just say ignorant, okay? Ignorant teenager probably says at some point in their ignorant teenage life, I said, fine, I'll just leave then. Y'all said that, didn't you? Yeah. And then I marched off to my room, closed the door as if the conversation was over. It wasn't. Pretty soon the door flies open again and my dad said, let me tell you one thing. You ever threaten to leave again, don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. He didn't say butt, but don't let it hit you on the on the way out. And I was like, okay. You know what? I never said that again. Never. You know why? Because I knew he meant it. And it didn't take me long. Anytime I tried to go against what my dad told me to do or what his idea was for life and how I should live it, it didn't take me long for him to convince me to come back around to his way. Because what I realized is if I'm going to live under his roof, if I'm going to actually be able to exist I'm going to have to do things the way he wants me to do them. And what I found out is when I did things the way my father wanted me to do, it went well for me. What I also found out is when I didn't do things the way my father told me to do them, it didn't go well for me. Right? In fact, at times it became a little painful. But the reality of it is marriage is the same way. When we do things according to the way God tells us to do them, things go well for us. When we do them as far as our marriage, as far as the way it works, when we look at it and realize it was God's design to start with, it goes so much better. The problem is when we bring our own ideas and our own expectations and our own thoughts into the marriage, things pretty quickly go awry. Things pretty quickly get messed up. And so here's today, listen, this is what we're going to do. In the next few minutes, I'm going to give you four different things, four different perspectives that have got to change if we're going to have a marriage that mirrors God's design for us. Remember, when we look at the covenant of God with us through Jesus Christ, our marriage should mirror that. Our marriage should be an example of that covenant. 
And we're going to look at four things that have to change if we're going to get to that place where our perspective matches up to what God's idea and design for marriage is. The first one is this. We've got to see marriage as a divine covenant, not a human institution. We have got to see marriage as a divine covenant, not a human institution. Listen, the only reason this account of Hosea and Gomer happens is because of God's covenant with his people. You know, if God wanted to, I mean, listen, if if, if it weren't for his covenant and his faithfulness in that covenant, God could have just blown the whole thing off. He could have just been like, let's wipe them out. Let's start over. But God had made a covenant with his people. And and he had made a statement that you will be my people. And even when they turned away, he didn't. Isn't that amazing? That when we look at that, that that we see that that God's idea for marriage was, I'm going to make a covenant, I'm going to make a commitment, and I'm going to stick to it. And see, here's the problem for us. So many times we see it as a man-made institution, something that man came up with, something that man designed. Listen to me. It was God's idea. Go back and read the book of Genesis. Because in the, man, in the beginning, God created the man and the woman. And he put them together. They became one flesh. It was God's idea. And when we enter into the marriage covenant, we enter into something that's God's idea, not our, our idea. And we need to understand this, folks. Listen to me. So many times we get this messed up. And this is one reason that sometimes our our walk with Jesus doesn't make sense. The primary purpose for the covenant of God with us was to make us holy, not to make us happy. See, the problem wasn't our happiness, was it? The problem was our holiness. God's covenant was given to us to make us holy. He sent Jesus to make us holy. Remember when we take communion and we take the the juice, we take the blood and we say, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. The new covenant, it was for the forgiveness of sins. It was for the reconciliation of people to God. It was to make us holy so that then God could come into us and give us his unspeakable joy. But you know, happiness is a cheap substitute for godly joy. We need to realize that the intent of God's covenant with us was not to just make us happy. It was to make us holy. It was to reconcile us to him. And we need to understand the same thing about the marriage covenant. The reason so many marriages are are dysfunctional and don't work is because you're looking to your spouse to make you happy. That was never the intent. You're asking your spouse to satisfy you. That wasn't God's desire. God is the one who satisfies. Listen, when you look to your spouse and you say, satisfy me, make all my desires happen, it's in direct contradiction to the word of God. God is the one who satisfies. God is the one who, who, who brings all things that we need into our life. The love and the joy and the peace and the pain, all of those things, they come from God. If you look to your spouse to be the one that satisfies, to bring your joy, to bring your contentment, you're placing something on your spouse that they are not capable of fulfilling. Do you know how much different it is when you come to your spouse fully satisfied in Christ, which is his promise, rather than coming to your spouse looking for them to satisfy you? See, when you're already satisfied, think about this. When you're sitting at a dinner table, think about it, and and you're starving. You know, I'm talking about so hungry when you look at the menu, you can't make up your mind what you want to eat. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Because it all looks so good. You're like, I want one of those and one of those and four of those. You know what I'm saying? And you come and and, and you're so hungry. And and, and it's like if somebody tried to take your plate when they finally set it down in front of you, you'd be like, what are you doing? You touch my food, I will kill you. At least stab your hand to the table with my fork. But the, the reality is once you've eaten, once you've had your fill, if somebody comes along and, and they say, hey, how about some of those fries? You're like, sure, man, I'm stuffed. Why? You're satisfied. How about if we come to God and allow God to satisfy us at the very core of our being so that we're not coming to our spouse going, satisfy me. Because you know what that breeds? It breeds selfishness. 
And we need to realize that, that when God established this covenant with us, when he established the marriage covenant, it was a divine covenant to make us holy. And when we begin to look at the marriage covenant in light of God's covenant with us, we need to realize our spouse wasn't given to us to make us holy, I mean, to make us happy, but to make us holy. Can you tell me any other relationship that you have, if you have, if you are or have been married, that has the opportunity to create God's character and integrity in you, if you allow it, like the marriage covenant? God basically says, let's put two people together who are wired completely opposite and see how they get along. Right? Can you imagine? There's nothing else that can test you like the marriage covenant. And when we come into it with the realization that God is my all in all, he is everything I need, then at that moment, we can move into a place with our spouse where we're not so demanding of them, but we're actually willing to give to them. And even when they tick us off, even when they disappoint, even when they become unfaithful as Gomer was unfaithful, we're able to look at it and go, you know what? God's faithful. His covenant is sure. God, God's design is that, that I would be able to view this as a divine covenant. Not something that I created. Not something that, 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 that just, just happens. But when we begin to look at it from God's perspective, it becomes something that God is able to use to create holiness within us versus us trying to use it to make us happy. You know what? If, if, if it was about happiness, let me tell you this. My marriage would have lasted about 72 hours. I'm, well, it would have been longer than that. We took our honeymoon later, so maybe three weeks, Right? But seriously, we, we, we got married. We went down to St. Simon's for a couple of nights. We couldn't go on our real honeymoon, so to speak, um, until Susan got finished with school later in December. We go down to Cancun. Now, this is B.C. for me, right? That means before Christ. So we did one of those all-inclusive deals. You know what I'm talking about? To Cancun. Y'all know it. And when they say all-inclusive, it's all-inclusive. We go the first day and, you know, it's, it's winter here. I pull off my shirt, you know, I look like Casper and I'm laying by the pool and, and, and laying by the pool. And, 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 and this, this guy walks up, he says, senor, can I get you something to drink? I said, sure, man. Um, how about a Corona? Be back in a minute. There he goes. He comes back. I reach into my pocket to get my wallet. He said, no, senor. It's all inclusive. Have you ever had a, like a light go off in your head? Where it was like, ah, you know, and, and it's like, all of a sudden, I was like, could you bring three more of those? And, and it was all inclusive. And I, listen, Susan says this all the time, and I think you'll understand what I'm saying. She says this all the time. You owe me another honeymoon. Because... It was ugly. I'm not going to go into any details, and I want you to understand this. I'm not saying this to, like, glorify my past, what I'm saying. I'm, I want to glorify God in that. That God, God can change anybody's heart. And we were down there, and we're doing all this stuff, man. It was crazy. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where or, or if Susan had married me based off of happiness, it would have ended right there. It would have been over. In fact, for the first few months of our marriage... If it had been about happiness, Susan would have ditched me. I remember one night I'd been out with some of my running buddies, some of them who are sitting in here right now. Um, and, and I was out late and, and, and I remember I'm, I'm about 24 years old, 25 years old at this time. And we've been out late. I came in about two o'clock. We'd been out at the bars doing different things and nothing that we were, was, was really good. We weren't like giving people tracks and sharing the gospel. But I come in about 2 o'clock in the morning. We were living um, on the weekends with my parents because we were up in Waynesboro, so we were staying with them that particular weekend. I come walking in 2 o'clock in the morning. My wife is in the bed asleep. I come walking in, and, and, and my mom is waiting up on me. I was 24, and my mom was waiting up on me. If you were here last week, you remember how I told you I realized how kids know they're really in trouble? It's when their, their parents ask them a question that they already know the answer to. And I, I told you, it was like, they would say, what did you just do? And then be like, what did you do? I walk in the door, 24 years old. My mom goes, 
what are you doing? What are you doing? I was going to bed. <laughs> Do you realize you're married? I mean, like, she just ripped me up one side and down the other. I mean, I felt all guilty. I needed to go back to the bar. I mean, it was like, it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. And, you know, there were several things. There were times, man, listen, when, when Susan should have just been like, the heck with you. Leave. But you know what? When she entered into this covenant, it was based off of a, a divine covenant, not a human institution. And I want you to understand this. I know for some of you in here, those stories and the other stories I could tell you about those first few months of our marriage, they pale in comparison to what you've been through, what you're going through. But the thing I want you to understand is the same God that healed me, healed our marriage, can heal your marriage and heal you. So we got to understand very clearly that the marriage covenant is a divine covenant, not a human institution. The second one, God doesn't enter our covenant lightly. He doesn't enter the marriage covenant lightly. Neither should we. God doesn't enter our covenant lightly. He doesn't enter the marriage covenant lightly. Neither should we. Listen, Hosea 3.1 says this. It says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulterer. I love that, that, that picture. This is probably my favorite line in this entire book of the Bible. In, in one translation, it says, go again. It says, go again to your wife. Even though she's a prostitute, go again. And that has just been going over and over in my head uh, so much, so much that that, that that was the one line that really grabbed my heart in all of this scripture is when he says, go again to your wife. You know, God is serious about the marriage covenant. God is serious about the marriage covenant. Listen to me. God sent his son to die on a cross, to take our sin, to literally go through hell, not the place, but through the hell of separation from his father, and then to to rise on the third day out of a tomb and to ascend at the right hand and sit at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. And then he says this. He says, let this be the example of how you should love your wife and how your marriage should look. Do you think he was serious about it? And yet so many times what I find is that we enter into the marriage covenant flippantly. It's one of these things where even going in, we're like, well, if it doesn't work, we'll just get a divorce. If it doesn't work, we'll just, just, just the heck with it. I want you to understand today that when you enter into marriage, you are married. You you are going to be married one day. You need to understand it is a big deal to God. It's a big deal. A while back, we went to um, Turner Field um, to watch a Braves game. And uh, we we were on the way there. And, and, you know, I remember the first time I ever walked into a Braves baseball game. It was so amazing. I walked out and it was like, you know, I mean, it's like the fields just green. The uniforms were so white. It was like amazing. I'm like, I'm doing this one day. You know what I'm saying? Never did. But I'm like, I want to do this. And, and, and I remember how awesome it was. And you know what? Like two years ago, we're going to a ball game at Turner Field. And I remember distinctly walking through the parking lot and looking at the stadium, even from the outside, looking at the people coming to the park and looking at everything that was going on, everything that was taking place, all that was put into it and, and, and how much it took to pull this off. And I remember looking at the, the stadium and going, this is a big deal. This is a big deal. I am, I was amazed. I couldn't help but notice I right now am in the middle of something huge. When you enter into a marriage covenant, you enter into to that relationship, that covenant with a man or the woman, you need to understand you are in the middle of something that is a big deal. You know how I know that? Because of what it takes to pull it off. I know that because of what, it, what was invested in it to make it happen. God's son. You know, the, the thing about it is, you and I can't pull off a marriage. 
and make it look like God. Just like you can't pull off looking like Jesus. None of us have ever been confused for him, right? None of us. And the reality is the only way it is possible for us to mirror the, 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 the covenant of God with us in our marriage is when God works it through us. What's impossible with us is possible with God. But we can't enter into it flippantly. We've got to see it as seriously as God does. The third one is this. Because God doesn't take it lightly, he set it on a solid foundation himself. Because God doesn't take it lightly, he set it on a solid foundation himself. So here's the thing we need to realize. The marriage covenant, it's not held together by our wisdom, by our strength, by our character, our integrity. It's held together by God. And we say this all the time, don't we, in marriages? I mean, we read it and, and people, people hear it and, and we, we, we know it. What God has joined together, let no man separate. You know when we say that? It's because God joins it together. We become one flesh. God put that thing together and it is held together by himself. He set it on a solid foundation himself. The reason that, that Hosea went to Gomer, the reason they worked that out, the reason, Homer, I almost called him Homer. The reason Hosea went is because God sent him because of God's own faithfulness. It was because God himself had established the covenant with his people. God has established this covenant between you and your spouse or between you will establish it between you and your future spouse. It's not something that's taken lightly and we need to realize that the foundation that holds it together is him. It's God. And when we look to him, we allow him to change us individually. We allow him to satisfy us individually. He begins to move in our lives. When we begin to allow him to have our life, do you think Hosea was surrendered to God? Oh my goodness. If God told me to do that, I seriously don't know. Like, I'm probably checking out. I'm like, peace out, God, can't do it. Really? Hosea surrendered. God was working in him. And that's the place that you and I have to get to. We've got to establish our marriage on the foundation of Christ. Listen to these scriptures that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. And it beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Listen, what's he talking about? He's talking about the importance of putting your marriage on the right foundation. You know the reason that as many Christian marriages fail as non-Christian marriages is because they start out on the same foundation. They start out in the same way. They start out based on the same things, namely our happiness. Namely, a a relationship of convenience. In fact, when we talk about this being something that should last forever, something that we should be selfless and pour our lives out for the other person, you know, the reason that sounds burdensome is because we view marriage out of a perspective of convenience and not out of a revelation of the grace that God's given us. Because the same grace that's been offered to us, we're called to offer to our spouse. Now, if there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God because of Jesus, what should separate us from our spouse? And I want to I touch on something real quick, guys. Listen, listen, listen. I believe it's our responsibility as the husband to, to, to be willing to remove things that stand between us and our spouse. You're the head of the house. You're the priest of your home. Are you fulfilling that role? Are you stepping in and and taking the reins of your your house? Are you being led by God so that you can lead your wife? So that you can lead your family? 
Because I believe this with, with all my heart. Being a man is not about what you were endowed with at your birth. It's about stepping into your role as a priest in the kingdom of God. Are you doing that? Are you stepping into what God has called you to be as the leader of your home? Who is it that gets the kids up on Sundays to get them to church? Who has to be begged to get to the house of God more? You or your kids? What example are we setting for our children? for our wife? How are we leading them? Are we stewarding the responsibility of spiritually leading our family according to what God has given us, according to what he has entrusted us with? Are we doing that? I would encourage you, and and ladies too, listen, we need to take a step back and honestly evaluate our life, honestly evaluate our heart. How are we leading what are we doing? Listen, when we got married, Susan was, and, and for the time we dated, Susan was the spiritual leader of, of our relationship, right? I mean, she was always like, you know, let's get up in the morning and do a devotional before you go to work. And I was like, ah, 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 you know, and, 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 and she's like, let's just read this. It'll take five minutes. And I'm like, okay, read it. All right, bye. You know, and she was the leader. She was the one going, we need to go to church. I'm like, I don't feel like going to church. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to, you know, read the Bible together. Let's pray together. And, and you know, she was the one leading. And when I finally, like the, that prodigal son, when I came to my senses and I realized like, holy cow, God is right here. He's good. He is here with me. And I decided I would begin to live for God. I allowed him to forgive me of my sins. And I began to step into that leadership role in my family. Awkward. Oh my gosh. Awkward. In fact, I can't tell you anything more awkward than the first time I prayed with my wife. It was weird. I didn't hardly pray myself, much less pray out loud to my wife or with my wife. I didn't pray to her like, you know, <laughs> holy Susan. You know, I didn't pray to her. There's times I begged her, you like, don't kill me. But it was so weird. I mean, I was like, I don't even know how to pray. Um, I was like, God is great. God is good. I mean, that don't work. I got to the food part. I was like, okay, that doesn't fit. It was weird. And it was weird for a long time. Every time we get in the car, Susan would look at me and go, let's pray for our trip. I'd be like, okay, you pray. I'm driving. I can't close my eyes. You know what I'm saying? Because it was just weird. It was weird. And, and you know, it, 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 it's awkward. And I understand, like, if you got a child who's a teenager or older and you've never prayed with them and, and you've, never, you've never read the Bible with them, you know, it's kind of weird, a little awkward to walk into their room when they're 13, never opened the Word of God, never prayed with them, to walk in and go, son, can I pray with you? They're going to be like, what do they know that I don't know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, going, it's just weird. It's awkward. But here's the thing I want to tell you and challenge you with. Awkwardness never killed anybody. Push through the awkwardness. There's more riding on this than a feeling of of being uncomfortable or being awkward. Push through. Step up. Be the spiritual leader, man. Come on. Our families are longing for it. Our friends, you know, man, listen, you know how, how, how we tend to think about the bedroom a lot, right? Honestly, if you want your wife to love you, to want to love you, lead her, love her like Christ loves the church. Let her see that she is your best friend. Let her know how much you love her. Send her a text, man. It's weird, I know. Come on, guys, it's just just, send her a text. I sent one to Susan this morning. You don't know how hard this is for me. I sent one to Susan because I was a butt last night. I really was. I don't know why I was so grumpy. You ever just grumpy? You don't even know why you're grumpy? I was just grumpy. And so I sent her a text this morning. I am sorry. Those are hard words to type. I was grumpy. I love you. You're my best friend. Sin. I don't know if it helped. 
But listen, it doesn't hurt you. And that, that's my heart. I want her to know. And listen, if that's not your heart, ask God to change your heart. He's good at that. Ask him to change your heart. We've got to get to that place, though, where we realize that God didn't take it lightly. We're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that our marriage is established and being built upon the right foundation, Jesus Christ. You know, a foundation of a building determines its character and its integrity. The foundation of a marriage determines that also. The foundation's wrong, the building will be wrong. Foundation's out of square, it's awful hard to make a building look right. But when you come to a place where he's your foundation, where it's established upon him, your marriage can have integrity, it can have character, it can be a reflection to the world. It can be a reflection to the world of God's love for us. Isn't that awesome? That God not only desires to use you as an individual, to reflect his love, but for people to look at your marriage and go, wow, that's incredible. That's what God desires. That's what God wants. Where are you with that? The last one, we got to hurry. God's determination not to abandon the marriage covenant should mirror our determination to cleave to our spouse. Listen, isn't it awesome? Think about this. And we see this in Hosea. All throughout Hosea, we see this, that God's not afraid to fight for us. Isn't that incredible? God God didn't give up on us. Even when we prostituted ourselves to another, even when we went and we gave ourselves to idols, God said, I'm still coming after you. Guess what? I'm coming again. Isn't that pretty incredible? That his determination to establish that covenant with us should be the same determination that you and I have to cleave to our spouse. That, that, That when there's something that should divide, we move to our spouse. When something begins to try to stand in the way, we move it out of the way. That we cleave, we hold on to, we don't let go. The other day, um, I was counseling some people, and the first question I ask folks when they walk in my office for marriage counseling is when they sit down, I look them in the eye, and this is what I ask them. Are you willing to fight for your marriage? Are you willing to fight for your marriage? Because you know what? If the answer from either one of them is no, I don't have a whole lot else. Because until we come to a place where our attitude and our determination is the same as God's for us, we'll never be willing to continually fight for what God wants us to have, what God died for us to have, the covenant that God has placed us in. But when we come to this place of being willing to fight for it, God can do incredible things. We're riding down the road uh, a couple of nights ago, Dake in the back seat. And, and, you know, last week I challenged you guys. I said, hey, why don't you go home and ask your children, men, ask your children, ladies, what's the most important thing to your mom or dad? It was like, ooh. So we did. And just so you know, they were like, daddy, it's your unfailing love for Jesus Christ. No, they didn't say that, right? I wish they had, but they didn't. In fact, Susan said, Dave and Jackson, what? Because Reed, you know, he's not really doing the whole talking thing yet. He's one. Um, so she said, Dave and Jackson, what, what's the most important thing to mommy? And instantly they said, us. And then uh, they, 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 she said, okay. And, and I didn't give her permission to do this. She just did it. She said, she never asked for my permission anyway, but she said, she said, Dakin Jackson, what's the most important thing to daddy? And I'm going, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And they're like, us. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and I, because I'm thinking like, why wasn't it Jesus? Makes a better story, doesn't it? Then I can come in and be like, they said Jesus. You know, but it didn't happen that way. And so, so the deal was, man, I was, I, we were like, okay, well, let's use this as a teaching moment. Since obviously we've screwed it up for the first nine years of Dake's life. So we were like, okay, here's the deal. We love you both so much, but we want you to know we, we love God more. We, we want you to see us loving God more than, than even we love you. And my inquisitive nine-year-old, who is probably smarter than I am, I'm not saying a lot, but probably smarter than I am, goes, so does God want you to love him more or us more? And I said very confidently, he wants 
us to love him more. And Dake says, equally as confident, that seems kind of selfish to me. I was like, how do I answer this? I said, no, Dake, listen, listen, listen. If, if I told you, if I told you that, that the best thing for you was to love God more than your child because loving him more is going to make you love your child more. Or if I were to tell you that, that loving God more makes me love your mother better and more, that, does that seem selfish? And he goes, I don't guess so. I said, the reason God wants us to love him more is because it impacts the rest of our life. It changes everything. It's a game changer. And when we come then to this place where we love God more than, than anything else, when we come to this place where, where we recognize that, that, that God's determination in us should mirror the determination we have to love our spouse, listen, we come to a place where no matter what, we pursue our spouse. Why? Because God is pursuing us the same way we pursue our wife, the same way we pursue our husband. And here's the truth, God isn't selfish, but he is jealous. Isn't it awesome to know that you have a God who gets jealous? Not like we, you know, like stupid jealous, but like longs for us so much, delights in us through Christ so much. He's like, I'm not sharing you with anybody else. You know, what's amazing is when Israel ran to other gods, God ran to Israel. Isn't that awesome? How about us? How about us in our marriage covenant? How about us husbands? How about us wives? When our wives or our husbands disappoint, when we get let down, when we get hurt, do we run to another? I believe the Bible teaches firmly through Hosea that we run to our spouse. We take the, the example of Jesus and we run to our spouse. We die to ourselves and we reconcile the relationship. We go after them with everything that we have. I want to say just a quick word and we're going to wrap up. I, w- I want to talk just a second to people in here who have been through divorce. So I recognize the, the heaviness of this subject. I recognize the hurt that you have been through. I recognize that there's, there's incredible pain associated with it. I recognize in some cases they walked away. Very little you could do about it. And today I, I just want to speak a word of encouragement to you in this. For you who've been through divorce, who've been through the hurt, you've been through the pain, there's grace. There's grace. And God's grace today is to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring restoration. But this is what I would tell you, those of you who may be contemplating it. Don't use grace as a crutch. When we use grace to manipulate God's goodness, it never turns out well. The second thing I would tell you if you're divorced, there's also reconciliation. God's the king of reconciling. Jesus came to reconcile us to himself and to reconcile us to each other, to put us in proper relationships. Believe this with all my heart that, that listen, there's always a possibility of reconciliation. And I know I don't know what you've been through, but God does. I know I've never walked through what you've walked through, God has. So there's grace and there's reconciliation. I'd ask you, which one is God calling you to today? Is it grace to walk through the hurt and the pain? Grace to be restored, made whole? Or is it grace to pursue reconciliation and to make things right? We always talk about next steps here. And this is what I want to challenge you with. For some of you in here today, your next step is to get things right with your spouse. 
is to make things right with them. For some of you, it may be to try to reconcile a relationship that's broken. For some people in here, your, your relationship, your marriage is so on the rocks, it is so broken and hurting right now that your next step today may be just to admit that healing is possible and reconciliation can happen. For some of you in here today, listen to, listen to me, guys, girls, you're not married yet, or maybe you have been married. Listen, especially you guys who you haven't been married yet. You're, you're young, maybe getting to the age you're going to be looking. Your next step today is to make up your mind that you're going to find someone who loves you as Christ loves his church. He's willing to give himself for you the way Christ loves his church and has given himself for us. So what's your next step? We need to change our perspective. We need to begin to see marriage the way God sees it. Take it seriously as God takes it. And realize that when we enter into that covenant, it is held together by the power of a loving God who comes again and again to grab us. What's God calling your next step to be? Listen, if if you're here today, we can pray for you for your marriage. We'll be glad to set you up with counseling. Listen, we want to see you win at marriage. We want to see you marry, marry, your marriage mirror the covenant that God has with us. We want your marriage to be a shining example of the truth of God's love and his grace. And I want to tell you this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say this if I didn't believe it. And I've seen it over and over again in ministry. God can reconcile your marriage and make it an example of his covenant, his love for us through Jesus. We can pray with you. We got people here who pray. Listen, um, what I'm going to ask you is if you need prayer today, when we start to exit, you grab your spouse. Man, what, 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 if, what if you'd stood up today and you actually stepped into leading your wife by saying, we're going to get prayer. Everybody in here could, could use it, I guarantee you. Every marriage in here could use it. I wonder who has the guts to go get it. I want to pray. We're going to be dismissed. And then uh, we can pray for you. We'd love to do so. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of I'm going again to my wife. I'm going again to my husband. Let's pray.